We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on local now, channel 525. Welcome to the Andrea K Show. She's blonde, five foot two, and one hundred two pounds of dynamite in a dress. Here she is, Andrea K. And it's tax and state planning attorney Rod Hatley sitting in, uh, in place of Andrea K. This is a special holiday broadcast. So she's taking uh, Christmas Day off and uh, enjoying time with family and friends. And I'm joined in studio with a longtime friend and colleague, Wendy Patrick, uh, who is both an attorney and also a violinist with the La Jolla Symphony. Imagine taking Christmas Day off, Rod. <laughs> I mean, what is she thinking? I'm yeah. not sure what she was thinking. I mean, I, 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 knowing you, you're probably going to be busy <laughs> doing gonna, something. No or, comment. No comment. Uh, I will be spending time with loved ones, as will you, I'm sure. Yes, yes indeed. Okay, well, this is a special broadcast, and as this is coming so late in the year, I think we thought it would be fun, since we're both attorneys, it might be valuable for the listeners to take a look at the upcoming laws that are going to be uh, taking effect in 2019, which is not too far away. That's right. And then maybe get your opinion, because I know you're pretty, you keep a finger on the pulse of what's going on out there. So some of the stuff, uh, you may have a lot of commentary to provide. And I think there were at least... Uh, I counted about 10 different laws that are going to be taking effect. And then I think you also uh, observed there were some other laws, for, especially for employers in the workplace, that might be valuable for the listeners to know about. So uh, we'll uh, try to chunk those down in our time together uh, on this broadcast, but try to make it understandable for folks who are listening in on this uh, special broadcast and right. uh, have something that they can use going into the new year. That's right. You know, one of the things that uh, every year we talk about is that for whatever reason, we in California insist on passing hundreds of new laws, only a handful of which are significant enough for us to make sure that we talk about and understand. And, you know, there's a little bit of something for everyone. That's what I say every year when we talk about new laws. There's some new law that makes people happy no matter who you are, what you're interested in. And then there's some new laws that maybe we think are a little more restrictive than we'd like. So it's always a mixed bag, and this year is no different. Yeah. I think uh, the last count I saw, over 1,100 new bills were signed by— uh, More per- every year. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> we were at 900-something two years ago, so oh, I'm not surprised. Yeah. Wow, that's a lot. Okay, well, what we're going to do is, uh, I guess, just dive into some of these laws, and we'll talk about them, and I certainly invite your comments. And uh, you may even have some insights into some of these as we uh, work our way through them. Uh, I think the first one, uh, this is going to be taking effect. This is doctor disclosure. Um, Apparently, when medical providers in California are disciplined for ethical violations like, say, gross negligence, substance abuse, inappropriate prescribing, or sexual misconduct, uh, they can be placed on probation. It allows them to continue practicing for a period under restricted conditions. Uh, This uh, starts in July of next year, so July 2019, uh, physicians, surgeons, podiatrists, acupuncturists, chiropractors, and osteopaths and naturopathic doctors have to inform you if they're on probation before they can treat you, which sounds reasonable to me. 
Yeah, you know, my opinion on of this law is it really is in line with so many other industries like our industry sure. that right. really have regulations where if yeah. you're under probation or if you have had sanctions levied against you in the past, whatever it is, that discipline is public and right. consumers before they take, you know, the the, the dive in, in either retaining an attorney, selecting a doctor, and I know there's so many other professions should know about whether or not there's been any prior record of discipline. So this this one didn't particularly surprise me. What we always want to look at when it comes to discipline, there's always this um, there's concern that, well, charges are different than findings, okay. convictions. And right. so anytime you see a law like this, we always want to read the fine print and say, well, is it just that somebody made a complaint? Is that going to be public or is it going to be some sort of actual physical finding that is going to be on the permanent record? So, again, every, yeah, that's why I always say there's something for everybody. Yes, consumers want to make sure they have all the information they need to make an informed decision. Mm-hmm. But also professionals on their end want to make sure they're protected and that baseless allegations don't make their way into the public record that might interfere with business. Well, of course. So, it, not that this implicates that, but it's just it's a lively dialogue every time we have new laws. Right. That increased transparency. The question becomes how transparent and to what kind of information. Sure. Okay. Well, thank you uh, for that. Just, just some editorialism. Not that you know. (laughs) I mean, you know, lawyers. No, I would never expect you to editorialize on anything. But I mean, in any profession, you know, we you just want to make sure that the uh, information being disclosed is relevant. It's true. It's trustworthy, and it's credible. Yeah. Well said. Yep. Okay, um, this is entitled Up in Smoke, but this is actually has to do with uh, if you have an old marijuana conviction, uh, it may soon be eased. Um, the Department of Justice will have until July 1st of next year to review records and identify past convictions that may be eligible either for recall or dismissal of a sentence. And I think, you know, and, and this year, at January 1st of this year, I believe that we, the, the marijuana, the recreational marijuana. That's right. Marijuana laws took effect. So uh, that was a big bugaboo for a lot of folks, and now that's gone. So it seems to me like this is finally starting to catch up for those folks who may have been convicted and done jail time or whatever. Um, this is a way to try to re- address that and say, you know what, it may have been a crime then. We're not looking at it as a crime now, and so we may be able to provide some, uh, um, you know, some you know, change that what happened to you in the past. <laughs> well, here's my um, here's my two cents on this one. Uh, okay. Words matter. So when you look at uh, so the way something like this is phrased, um, obviously folks are going to want to read this bill. Old marijuana conviction. Okay. Okay. First, I'd want to know what's old. Does it mean um, December 31st of 2017? Sure, sure. <laughs> um, what is a, con- is it a conviction? Is it something you went to drug diversion for? What does that mean? And what was it for? I mean, there's a big difference between, you know, smuggling 10 tons of marijuana across the border, <laughs> yeah, right? And getting yeah. caught with a joint sure. down in the gas lamp. Of course. Um, every time you see revisions to the law that have to do with erasing, and I love that word easing. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, what, whether it is something that means it gets dropped off your record or it's sealed or however it's dealt with, people want to read the text of these laws. You okay. know, it's, it's one thing to listen to a radio broadcast or television and, and you know, understand the gist and generalities of the laws coming down the pike. It's quite another to read the fine print to see if you qualify. And if yeah. there are any restrictions, um, whether it's this or any kind of law that eases the sting of prior convictions, whether it erases them altogether, it says you don't have to disclose them or it reduces them to lesser sentences – Make sure you know exactly what the parameters are of that type of relief. We usually call right. it relief in a criminal context sure. to see if that's something that you're eligible for. 
or if there's something that like, for example, let's say it was a marijuana conviction with a weapon okay. um, in concert. I mean, there's just so many different yeah. permutations that the, these are laws that sound great on the surface. But we just want to make sure we want to read them and know exactly what they mean. I, I guess to follow on with that. How would somebody who had a conviction and they, they seem to satisfy all the other requirements, how would they know to go about maybe seeking to get that expunged from their record? Or well, they'd need to hire a criminal defense attorney, which was the way I started my career, but I'm now a prosecutor. So they'd need to find somebody that does that type of work okay. that would then be able to um, file the necessary paperwork. Because that's exactly it. When laws change and when they provide relief for old convictions, many people want to take advantage of that. They're looking for job opportunities. Uh, There's yeah. a, a variety of reasons they want to be able to know. How, how can I avail myself of these changed laws to clear my record? Sure. You know, I might say the same thing with traffic offenses, you know, that no matter what it is, especially for people that are ambitious and have suffered misfortune in the past, maybe when they were younger, they're going to want to need to learn all they can to see if, first of all, if they need a lawyer or if maybe the procedure is so simple, it's something they can do without, which okay. is many people would argue that's the best case scenario. Sorry, you know, no, it keeps, yeah. keeps us in business when people retain us. Of course. But there are lots of things nowadays that people can do on their own. And, you know, and it should just to make it easier for themselves. And we want to see people, you know, correct past mistakes and move forward. That's right. OK, um, let's see. Well, let's see. Are you a pet owner? Uh, no. Okay. Well, if you were, then this next uh, this next bill would pet be pet lover. Well, okay. Well, then that, that... that kind of counts. Okay. This next bill. Yes, okay. yes, it does. Well, this um, uh, I guess they call it pet friendly parks, um, but uh, the dog days are over. In a couple of years, owners will have access to a comprehensive list of state parks um, or portions of units that allow dogs. Uh, the Department of Parks and Recreation must update its website and maintain real time information. Uh, on pet rules by July 1st of 2020. So this is coming. And so for those of you who are like Wendy, uh, uh, pet lovers. And or, Rod, you've got to be a pet lover, right? Oh, yeah. I'm, I have had dogs and cats growing up as a kid back in Memphis. And uh-huh. don't don't own any now, but uh, certainly have had enjoyed my uh, pets in the past. So, yeah, I think it makes it great because if you want to take your pet to the park, especially if it's a dog, you want to know what parks can you go to and um, enjoy the uh, park with your pets. So it uh, certainly makes a lot of sense. And this is a real-time updated uh, list of different parks where you can where you can enjoy. I mean, especially here in Southern California, San Diego, I mean, my goodness, you know. And I think isn't there like, uh, in Del Mar at least, I think there isn't there like a dog beach out that way or something like that. So and you can not actually let your dog off the leash, which mm-hmm. is, a, you know, a great way to for your dog to enjoy being at the beach. And you can enjoy being at the beach with your dog, so. Rod, this law is a sign of the times. We as a local society are becoming more and more pet friendly. You may recall a couple of years ago, we finally legitimized a practice that had been taking place for years of bringing your dogs to outdoor restaurants, Ah. sitting them on the patio. Well, it never really was legal. We finally legalized it. But the fact that that was being tolerated (laughs) for so many years uh, and, and just goes to show you how much we do love taking our pets with us wherever we go. Okay. You know, we could even, I mean, expand that into the whole service animal debate where they're, they're cracking down on, you know, where, who is and isn't qualifying as having an emotional support animal because we are so, we love our pets so much. We want to take them with us everywhere. Of course. So when laws change to make it easier and easier, we welcome that. And I believe this is going to continue to expand to put us in line with other countries where sometimes, you know, those of us that travel globally, there are 
countries where you take your pets anywhere and everywhere. Okay. Uh, on the flip side, we have to break for some announcements. But on the flip side, we'll pick up with these uh, laws. And uh, we welcome you to continue to stay with us. We'll see you on the flip side. Be sure to follow Andrea K on Twitter at Andrea K Show and follow her on Facebook and like her fan page at Andrea K, spelled K A Y E. You don't know what you don't know. Your assets don't have to be paid off to need an estate plan. Andrea K here, recently recognized top San Diego attorney Rod Hatley, is honest, fair, caring, and has helped so many of my friends. It's in Rod's heart to help others avoid what he experienced firsthand a costly, devastating seven year probate after his father's death. Don't let your assets paid off or not go to probate. For your free consultation, contact Rod through his website, HatleyLawGroup.com. That's H A T L E Y LawGroup.com. HatleyLawGroup.com. Many of us know how high school today is not the same as the high school in the 60s and 70s. Pressure to achieve, the competitiveness, the anxiety to fit in, and the loneliness has made being a teenager a pretty tough job today. In Bob Walter's book, Facing Reality in American Education, he looks at ways to help young people understand how amazing they really are, for students to discover their gifts and talents, to excel and be all they can be. I'm sure you agree. Purchase your copy of Facing Reality in American Education today at Amazon.com. FM 96.1 North County, AM 1170 San Diego. The answer. This country is in trouble. 51% of voting age young Americans surveyed prefer to live in either a socialist or a communist society. If this trend continues, within the next decade, America could be a socialist country. In California, we're already seeing the effects. With religious freedom being undermined, heavy regulations crippling small business owners, and chasing corporations out of the state along with jobs. But we can reverse this. The key is being informed, then educating friends and family with rational arguments and facts. There is one newspaper that will equip you to do this, the Epic Time, and I, Larry Elder, highly recommend it to you. For instance, in a recent edition, they investigated how the Clinton Foundation sold out this country to the highest bidder. They compiled all the evidence into one infographic. You can get the Epic Times delivered to your doorstep and email for just $1 for the first month by logging on to TrustedNewspaper.com. Just $1 for the first month at TrustedNewspaper.com. Try it. She had been needing more and more support in her home as the years went by. Lana needed a place for mom. We were working with nurses and social workers, and they recommended that we make this choice. I had a friend that was looking for a place for her mother. She had recommended Sun Garden Terrace. Lana visited Sun Garden Terrace, a charming assisted living and memory care community located in beautiful Lemon Grove. I think it was the friendliness and the people, but I also think it was the place itself. It's very comfortable to come in and I look forward to just spending good times with her here. I think it's a really reasonable price. Most places are more expensive. And I like that there's little private places to just kind of relax and spend time together. It feels like home. And the food? My mom loves the food. Sun Garden Terrace, because there's such a lot of living to do. Schedule a private tour and delicious lunch. Click sungardenterrace.com or call 619-464-CARE. That's 619-464-CARE. Everybody's doing it, and everybody's making money at it, except you. You're losing holiday business to your online competitors, and you don't know how to get in the game. Talk to us at Salem Surround, digital marketing experts who offer a free analysis of your digital marketing effectiveness, even if you have none, and suggest methods that could dramatically increase your sales coming out of this season. 
we can design and implement all of your online marketing under one roof, give you monthly reports on results, and instantly move your dollars to the most effective areas of your online advertising and sales. Social marketing, geofencing, web search enhancement, event targeting, and more. Now, there are no limitations on where you can reach customers with Salem Surround, increasing sales dramatically. Learn more by logging on to surroundsandiego.com. That's surroundsandiego.com, connecting you with new customers. FM 96.1, AM 1170, The Answer. Andrea K, the donut queen of San Diego. It's the Andrea K Show on The Answer San Diego. Welcome back from the break. This is Tax and State Planning Attorney Rod Hadley. I am not the donut queen, Andrea Kay, but I uh, am a reasonable facsimile thereof. And uh, sitting in uh, with uh, me today is a um, longtime friend and colleague, uh, Attorney Wendy Patrick. Also a donut lover. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I like to look at them. Who just, isn't? Who isn't a donut lover? I, I love the aroma. I like the, the, the smell of them, uh, the taste of them. But, you know, I can only eat about half of one, you know. <laughs> anyway, but... Uh, Glad to have you with me today. What we're going to do, uh, we started off the program, and what we're doing this uh, hour, we're going to review some laws that are on the books. Uh, They got uh, signed into legislation. They will take effect next year, either January the 1st or July the 1st, depending. And these are uh, just a great way to know what's going on out there. And in many ways, I think Wendy alluded to this earlier, it kind of brings us into the mainstream, you know, the things that had been going on for a long time that had never really been you know, finally they're sanctioned. They've been tolerated. Things had happened. Mm-hmm. We're talking about the pet-friendly parks and the pet-friendly um, restaurants, et cetera. So now we're starting to see these things actually become legitimate, which is about time. So, And it's good to see that the laws are catching up with that. Uh, so what we'll do now is we'll just continue on uh, through our survey. Uh, there's something called Take It to the Streets. Now, this, um, as the Trump administration ramps up its immigration enforcement efforts, Uh, California is attempting to bring street vendors, many of whom are undocumented immigrants, out of the shadows. The state will now prohibit local governments from banning sidewalk sales of food and other merchandise and require them to set up a licensing system uh, if they want to regulate the practice. Uh, Violations of local rules can only be punished with citations or fines, not criminal charges, uh, so as to not alert immigration authorities. So, to me, that seems like that's a reasoned and a measured response to what's going on out there. And I think we know it's happening anyway, so why not acknowledge that um, and make it easy for these people to become licensed? If that's what the city or the state seeks to do, go ahead and get these folks licensed and uh, not refer it over for criminal prosecution. Now, Wendy, you certainly may have some real thoughts about that, so I invite your uh, your input. Well, the question would be, how do you get them licensed? Okay. Sometimes it's easier said than done to state, well, let's just regulate it and tax it and make it legitimate. Sure. Um, One of the things that struck me in looking at a law like this is if you punish something not criminally, but only with citations or fines, how do you ever enforce those citations or fines are ever paid? Okay. It's just one of those, and I, there's no good answer to yeah. questions like this. Sure. When we take, it, it's kind of like um, a crime that doesn't carry a lot of time or sanction, but the failure to appear for it right. in the courtroom is then what becomes a misdemeanor, even if the original crime was an infraction. And I'm, you know, hypothetical. There, there are lots of real cases like that. And every time we read about 
um, an idea like this, mm-hmm. you know, let's let's not pretend it's not happening. Let's instead bring some order to the court, if you will, and make right. sure that they're doing it the right way. Uh, you just look at how easy that would be to enforce. Now, I don't know. Maybe it's easier. Maybe it's easier to enforce than we think. Okay. But anytime you talk about fines and citations, you know they're going to be given. It's it's kind of like an HOA, and you know you're not complying with exactly. some something hanging on your balcony, and they give you a notice saying if it's not cleared up, it's going to be even more money next month. Or you know, there's, there's endless supply of examples. But the the problem for those trying to enforce those kinds of regulatory violations, as apparently this would be is what do you do when the fines aren't paid? That's just, you know, our lawyer hats are on, and you're just kind of thinking down the road. It would right. be great if you, if everybody was going to, to pay, but if you're if the, the point is not making it criminal, um, that's an issue they're right. going to have to work with and determine, well, how do we make sure it doesn't become criminal if that's no. the goal, as it looks like it is? And I, I don't disagree with anything you've said. I mean, it's always great that, you know, we're trying to be forward-thinking, et cetera, but mm-hmm. the devil's always in the details, isn't it? How do you actually make this stuff that's work? Right. And that's where the rubber meets the road. And it's not clear to me just from this little synopsis that I've shared with you how this would be designed. Who's going to do it? Who's going to decide who applies for licenses? Who's going to be eligible? Are there any restrictions? I mean, you can just go on and on. And we all know, you know, and that's, you know, it's funny that the Trump administration was cited in connection with this because it is true. One of the things that his administration has tried to do is roll back regulations. It, you know, it's just one of those you know, imposing more regulations so that, but it's also got sort of a flavor of sanctuary city type policies Uh, in just in the, the, you know, and I say that because the goal purportedly, according to the law, is to avoid alerting immigration authorities. Mm -hmm. Sure. So it's, like I say, a little bit of something for everyone, but also um, a little bit of debate, you know, in in a proposed law like this. It'll be interesting as the year progresses to see how it's rolled out and how effectively it's rolled out. I, th- I think I agree with you. It, it's always, um, you know, only until the stuff actually starts getting implemented will you see how well or poorly, you know, it was thought through on how do we make this thing happen. That's for sure. Okay. All right. Uh, let's see. All right. This is something that I guess you could call uh, – you could label it target practice. Um, let's see. And this actually came out of uh, Todd Gloria here in, uh, in San Diego was uh, the one who I think had who had uh, uh, presented this bill to the uh, California Assembly. Uh, whether or not to issue concealed weapons permits remains at the discretion of local sheriffs and police chiefs. But as of January, you will need to prove your proficiency in shooting and safe handling of your firearm if you want a license to carry it in public. The training requirement has also been raised as a minimum – has been raised to a minimum of eight hours. So – Seems reasonable to me if you wanted to have, uh, I guess, a concealed carry. Um, I think it's, is that what they're getting at here is the concealed carry or? or? Well, they're looking at um, the yeah. concealed weapons permits, which yeah. are still discretionary, which is good. So right. there, there's still a process you have to go through to get it. But you'll need to prove a couple of different things. Now, lots of people are a good shot. Sadly, yeah. criminals, some of them are a good shot. Yeah, unfortunately. But you need to prove more than that to be able to qualify under the law. You need to also prove your proficiency not only in shooting but in safe handling yeah. of your firearm. And there are lots of people that have guns, love their guns, or are good at shooting their guns but aren't careful as to how they store and handle their guns. Right. We know this because how many times do we read those heartbreaking stories about a child seeing, you know, the parents gun lying around, oh, picking no. it up? I mean, there's just, yeah. you know, there are so many 
um, mistakes and mishaps and, and hazardous scenarios but where somebody doesn't safely handle their gun. This law, um, basically, you're going to have to prove not only are you a good shot, but you are uh, aware and um, engage in safe handling practices if you want a license to carry it in public. One thing that struck me about this law yes. is that the training requirement has been raised good. to a minimum of eight hours. When I first read this law, I thought to myself, that's all? Eight hours of training is doesn't sound like it's very much. I mean, maybe it is. And and I, and I couldn't tell you. I mean, I I served in the Navy, uh, never had any firearms. Of course, I was just an attorney. So I mean, not what would just I, Anne. Well, I know, but very I, important position. But uh, I I was never in a never had to take a defensive position, so I never got firearms training. That was something if you wanted to pursue that you could, but I just mm-hmm. never had time for it. So uh, I wouldn't know whether eight hours is. Uh, Good. I would have to think if it was something less than that previously, well, then any increase in the amount of it has got to be a good thing, I would imagine. Absolutely. And, you know, when you see laws that require a certain amount of training, it's always a a wonderful thing. The the, the more, the better, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, When we live in a day and age, as we do, where gun violence continues to be a problem, there are different kinds of guns. There are different methods at which guns can Let's just say gun crime can go wrong and and how guns can be misused and where you are and aren't allowed to carry them. Perhaps this requirement will be expanded to provide an ongoing refresher course requirement to be able to uh, have this type of a permit. So people that have guns can continue to familiarize themselves with the latest issues, societal issues, the latest methods of storing, the latest methods of handling and carrying. I mean, there's. It's always great to be up to date. I mean, you and I, as lawyers, we have to get, we take our MCLE requirements every year to make sure we're up to date. Sure. So, too, people that are handling deadly weapons, um, perhaps in the future we'll see that's a requirement as well. Probably already is. Okay. You know, this this is just seems to be an addition to um, some requirements that we already have. Yeah. Okay. Um, thank you for that. And let's see. Um, this is interesting, and I think this is probably as a result of what's been in the news, the Me Too movement. Um The Me Too movement is changing the way we talk about sexual harassment. California, which previously only mandated regular training for supervisors at large companies, will now require it for all workers at any business with at least five employees. You can expect to receive at least an hour of instruction on workplace sexual harassment within six months of being hired at a new job and every two years after that. Now, I think you've been involved. uh, This has been a conversation I think you've had with other uh, on other uh, programs. So I certainly would be interested in your uh, input on this. Yeah, you know, um, it used to be true that everyone thought sexual harassment was like the you know famous justice's definition of obscenity. You know it when you see it. Sure. We've learned over the course of the past year and a half, nothing could be farther from the truth. Not right. only do people not recognize it, um, but it is something that needs to be continually emphasized. I have a feeling we'll be talking about this on the other side of the break because this sure. is a very, very um, important change in the law that I think warrants more discussion. Okay. Then uh, we'll just table that. We've got a couple minutes before we go to break. So uh, let's see. Well, part of the, you know, maybe I can just add. Um, before Please. The, part of the reason this um, is so important is. You know, it's one thing to say, well, it's only mandated for supervisors. When you mandate it for all workers, what do you do? You empower witnesses there we go. with the tools necessary 
to recognize it and report it and do something about it. Because sometimes the victims themselves, for a variety of reasons, sure. they are, they're intimidated, Absolutely. they're embarrassed, they're ashamed, they, they're humiliated sometimes with the conduct. They aren't the ones that are going to say something, but witnesses will. Yeah. So when you take a law like this and say, hey, now it's not just supervisors, it's workers at any business with at least five employees – What do you do? You broaden the net and you expand the pool of people that are educated and qualified to report troublesome behavior, and that protects the people that are being victimized. Well said. Okay, Uh, we're going to take another break here. Uh, We will see you on the flip side, and we'll continue our conversation with Wendy Patrick about uh, the new laws taking effect in 2019. Stay with us. Want more Andrea Kay? Follow her on Twitter at Andrea Kay Show and like her Facebook page at Andrea Kay, spelled K-A-Y-E. Statistics have shown that at some point you will die. In fact, I could die during this commercial. Now that I have your attention, this is tax and estate planning attorney Rod Hadley of the Hadley Law Group. Because life happens, it makes sense to have an estate plan in place much the same way you probably have life insurance to provide for your family. An estate plan is a set of instructions for how you want your assets to be passed on in a way that works for you and your loved ones. For a free consultation, give me a call at 858-792-3444, 858-792-3444. I can't wait to help protect your family's legacy. The goal of your small business is to make money. So why do you give so much of it to the IRS? The small business tax specialists at AV Areas offer proven, proactive, performance-driven strategies so you keep more of your hard-earned money and give less to the IRS. Call Al Arias at AV Arias Company, your small business tax specialists. 619-296-2123. 619-296-2123. Online at avariasco.com. FM 96.1 North County, AM 1170 San Diego. The answer. This report is sponsored by the Word on Wealth Financial Network. Here's the Word on Wealth, a retirement update from five-star wealth manager, certified financial planner, Marty Schneider, the retirement professor. Greetings, friends, and welcome to this edition of the Word on Wealth. Marty Schneider here. Now, every time the stock market does that bend but don't break kind of thing, the market bears kind of pop up to remind everybody that it is just a matter of time before we have a market correction or give back, just to make sure that your allocation is suitable, it is age-appropriate, appropriate and that you are completely tuned in to the risks that you may or may not be choosing to bear inside of your investment accounts. If you'd like to have that chat with me, come on in for your free retirement consultation with me. I meet with everybody personally here in my Mission Valley office. It is absolutely free of charge. doesn't cost you a penny. Just come on in. can also talk about your Social Security benefits as well. Give me a call. Come on in for your free consultation with me. That's it for this edition of the Word on Wealth. I'm the retirement professor, Marty Schneider. I'll be back with you tomorrow on these same Salem Network stations. This is Albert Mobler for townhall.com. Tis the season for Christmas carols. And one of the most beautiful of our carols asks the most important question of all. What child is this who laid to rest on Mary's lap is sleeping? Christmas demands an answer to that question. Even with all the fanfare and frantic activity this season, that question remains. Even though commercialism and secularism and political correctness try to push the question aside, the question still stands. In the stillness of a winter's night, the question rings out loudly and insistently. Who is this child? You know the carol's answer. This, this is Christ the King, whom shepherds guard and angels sing. Joy, joy, for Christ is born, the babe, the son of Mary. That is the true answer to the question. The baby is Christ the King. May you know and celebrate the full joy of Christmas. Merry Christmas. I'm Albert Moeller. The Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy, preparing leaders for the public square.
Learn more at publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu. Can you guys believe it? It's December, and we're getting closer and closer to a new year. Andrea Kay here, and if you're anything like me, you know it's better to give than to receive. Well, Charlie and the team at Liberty Tobacco, they feel the same way. That's why they have some incredible savings happening at both stores throughout the month of December that will allow you to give more to that special someone. I was just in the Del Mar store picking up a few sticks for a friend here at the station, and the humidor was full of some of the best cigars in the world, from Davidoff, Opus X, and Padron, just to name a few. Good thing I was able to get some recommendations that made it even easier to give the perfect gift. Now remember, Liberty Tobacco has been around since 1975, and they have two convenient locations. They're at 7341 Claremont Mesa Boulevard next to Ethan Allen Furniture and in the Flower Hill Mall right off the 5 at Via de la Valle in Del Mar. So stop by and pick up a couple of sticks for everyone on your nice list. Or you can visit them online at libertytobacco.com. FM 96.1 AM 1170. The Answer. Andrea K. Telling you like it is, all while eating a donut. The Andrea K. Show on The Answer San Diego. And welcome back from the break. This is tax and state planning attorney Rod Hadley, who's telling it like it is without a donut. But I do have a donut aficionado here with me in the studio, and that's <laughs> Wendy Patrick, fellow attorney and also violinist with the La Jolla Symphony. And, uh, Wendy, before we took the break, we had started talking about, and we got into it just a little bit, the... Um, this is on the Me Too movement and the uh, the workplace uh, instruction on on identifying and reporting sexual harassment. And it used to be just the supervisors were required to do that. Now it's all employees for companies that have at least five employees or more. And so you said that's a that's a great positive development because now you're you're widening the pool of, of witnesses, et cetera. That's right. And uh, so it's a good thing because some people might be intimidated to come forward for fear of retribution. Etc. But you wanted to get into a little bit more. You want to talk a little bit more about that, and I think it's valuable. Yeah, you know, it also, this is Senate Bill 1343, yeah. it also states that uh, workers can expect to receive at least one hour of instruction on workplace sexual harassment within six months of being hired at a new job mm-hmm. and every two years after that. Now, why is that important? Sometimes people in even in the upper echelons of companies occasionally say, well, I I didn't know, I didn't realize. Mm -hmm. By requiring not only that first six months hour, sometime within that period, by saying now every two years you have to do this all over again. It basically lessens the opportunity for somebody to to really be unaware, not only what the law says, but what is or isn't appropriate behavior. And because we are in a post Me Too movement, we really are more aware and want to be more sensitive to yeah. um, if we see something that's borderline. Now, the, most, the most troublesome part of a law like this is the fact that there are some people that uh, are prone to miscommunication. Mm-hmm. Sure, They do not mean something to come across the wrong way. I mean, clearly the, the ones that are obvious harassers, like, you know, they're, they're right. being weeded out of the workplace, thank and God. And should be. Yeah. And should be. But then you get these, these gray area cases where both women and men are complimenting each other on on great suits, um, you know, have you lost weight? The kinds of things that, you know, maybe 20 years ago would not have raised eyebrows. And people now are thinking, well, gosh, I, I feel uncomfortable by uh-huh. somebody telling me I look, uh, you know, nice dress. And, you know, right as a practical matter, there's a big difference between saying nice dress and 
you sure look great in that dress. We know. (laughs) We know. And that's one of the other reasons that I thought it was significant that this law expands this training to workers. The supervisor may be sitting in a corner office somewhere, but the workers are in the lunchroom where these comments are taking place. They're they're actually witnessing some of this behavior. So the fact that they now, too, them, too, (laughs) them, too, law, we'll call it, they, too, have to have this training, and they also have to have it every two years. It just, it's really going to make a big dent in the fact that sexual harassment and sexual assault, by the way, remain among the most underreported crimes and, and in the world. Uh, you know, sexual harassment, of course, isn't a crime, but let's just say it's an action that um, most of the time flies under the radar because victims don't speak up. And for a variety of reasons. Yeah, that that's right. Don't. Variety of understandable reasons. Of course. Yeah. Well, thank you for that. And uh, we're, what we'll do now is we'll transition into another law that's going to take effect next year. I suppose you could uh, call this the delete your data law. Not a really good uh, title for a law, don't you well, think? Well, I mean, that sounds that, like that, little. Well, <laughs> like I, I didn't write this up. But, know, yeah, this is what this is what we found. Uh, the California Consumer Privacy Act was a compromise that was reached between the consumer privacy advocates and uh, tech companies uh, in exchange for pulling an initiative from the ballot uh, back in June. This bill was signed into law, and it goes into effect starting in 2020. So it won't take effect necessarily next year, but it is coming down the pike. It it allows consumers to know more about their personal information that companies collect on them and empowers them to request that data be deleted. If there's an unauthorized breach of your non-encrypted personal information, you can sue companies for up to $750. Uh, Still, the new law has its limits. Nothing in the new law uh, prohibits businesses from offering different Prices for different levels of service, suggesting greater privacy could come at a higher cost. So I I I like what I'm hearing. I think, but you know, I think, and you probably deal or you're seeing. I would imagine a lot more of this than I. But still, with the work that I do for my clients, data you know breaches are certainly a concern because I have clients' personal information, and so that's important to make sure that you know I'm protected too. So. Uh, what jumps out at you when you uh, when you when I talk about this uh, this bill? Well, I think what jumps out at me the most is that this bill allows consumers to know more about the personal information companies collect on them. Let's just start with that. And then, of course, it empowers them to ask for it to be deleted. But many people over the course of, let's just say, the last decade were surprised when they started receiving optimized ads and thinking, well, wait a minute, how does Google know that I am in the market to get another degree or I'm shopping Ah, for a Christmas dress or I'm looking for a trip to to Tahiti, whatever it is. So this idea that our our data was being collected to begin with, Many people balked at that. I got to tell you, Rod, I know others that said, how convenient is this? I am finally getting advertising on my on you know my Facebook page, on my Twitter feed, on, on when I'm Googling something that's relevant to me and my goals and my dreams. And this is, you know, sometimes they ended up actually finding what they were looking for because of all the ads being driven to their computer via the information that was being collected about them and their search results. Sure. Now, I suppose if you are committing, uh, trying to seek to commit a crime, that's not going to be good if you're getting ads for things like, well, I don't know, gloves and, and tool, burglar tools and other types of things that could, that could be good evidence for me in proving a case in court. Of course. But the fact that this law allows consumers to know yeah. is huge yeah. because not everyone is comfortable with all of the information that's being collected. And, you know, as, as 
as far as the delete your data, what it means in context here is it empowers the consumer to request that the company delete the data. Um, that is enormous. Yeah. You know, and because we, we never had that before, right? Well, in some sense, we did. And that it's kind of uh, reflected in the last portion of this law where it talks about different levels of service, suggesting greater privacy come at, could come at a higher cost. And it reminds me of, for example, you know, when you set up websites and other mm-hmm. kinds of things, if you opt to include privacy, that costs more money. So there are lots of different ways that consumers have been spending more to basically show less. In other words, they keep more of themselves private right. by paying for heightened security and heightened privacy settings. So, you know, in a perfect world, we would have sites and, and you know, Facebook tries to do this to some extent where you can, without a cost, go in and have some control over your privacy settings and other social media sites do the same. And I mean, I would advise our listeners, if you use social media and you're concerned with privacy, Take the time. I know it's laborious and there's a lot of fine print, but if you actually take the time to read through and make sure you read through on a continuous basis because these things are are updated regularly, Mm -hmm. your privacy settings, what they say, what you're entitled to, sometimes there's an enormous amount of discretion you as the user have in determining who gets to see your material. That's already uh, so when we see laws like this, what okay. they're really doing, this this law, again, I would say this is another sign of the times reflecting the fact that consumers are increasingly aware and in, and, and find to be very important um, what they're in control of privacy-wise. Okay. <clears throat> so um, a, good, a good start, I guess, would you say? or or I would say it's a good start because it's one thing to say, you know, you want people to know about you and your profession. It's quite another if, if somebody is somehow collecting data on the names and the ages of your children and where they go to school. Sure. And, yeah. and if you are on sites where you don't have filters or if you're using Facebook and you don't and you have an unsecured profile or it's public – Who's to say the wrong eyes aren't going to be on your page for the wrong reasons? Of course. So to hear when you look at a bill that uh, really is going to allow consumers to know, hey, what are you collecting and how can I request it be deleted? Um, this is something that's important. One, one thing about this law, Rod, that I found, you know, we're so used to sky high fines. I found it surprising that um, if you find that there's been an unauthorized breach of your non-encrypted personal information, you can sue companies for up to... Seven hundred and fifty dollars. Well, you you, you have to fi- wait five grand to retain the lawyer, right? Well, they, they pro- <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm guessing small claims. Probably. Okay, right. Yeah. That's okay. right. That's yeah. cynical. We've become cynical. All okay. Right. Well, thank you for sitting with us. Uh, we're going to take a break uh, for some commercial words, and then we'll be back again, and we'll wrap up uh, this uh, segment of the Andrea Case Show uh, with uh, three more laws that'll be taking effect in the new year. See you on the flip side. Be sure to follow Andrea Kay on Twitter at Andrea Kay Show and follow her on Facebook and like her fan page at Andrea Kay, spelled K-A-Y-E. Many of us know how high school today is not the same as the high school in the 60s and 70s. Pressure to achieve, the competitiveness, the anxiety to fit in, and the loneliness has made being a teenager a pretty tough job today. In Bob Walters' book, Facing Reality in American Education, he looks at ways to help young people understand how amazing they really are, for students to discover their gifts and talents, to excel and be all they can be. I'm sure you agree. Purchase your copy of Facing Reality in American Education today at Amazon.com. 
You don't know what you don't know. Your assets don't have to be paid off to need an estate plan. Andrea Kay here. Recently recognized top San Diego attorney Rod Hatley is honest, fair, caring, and has helped so many of my friends. It's in Rod's heart to help others avoid what he experienced firsthand, a costly, devastating seven-year probate after his father's death. Don't let your assets, paid off or not, go to probate. For your free consultation, contact Rod through his website, HatleyLawGroup.com. That's H-A-T-L-E-Y LawGroup.com. HatleyLawGroup.com. FM 96.1 North County, AM 1170 San Diego. The answer. Hi, this is Andrea Kay. On behalf of Move America Forward, this Christmas, we've teamed up to send care packages to our military serving overseas who miss their loved ones, some of whom will receive no care packs at all unless we send them today. I had a young soldier, a couple of deployments while I was in Iraq. His family just couldn't send him something. My wife would call up places like Move America Forward in send care packages on their behalf because they didn't have that family member who could afford it or knew how to send it. Won't you call in? Won't you help out or give online? Care packs are ready to go to our armed forces overseas. Call in, dictate a greeting, and the number of care packs you would like to send. Your gift of $100 sends four care packs to a serviceman or woman who won't be with their family this Christmas. And each $100 donation will send you a $20 gift card to Richard Walker's Pancake House. Go to the phone right now and help out. 855, the number 7, and the word troops. 855-787-6677. That's 855, the number 7, and the word troops. Or you can give online at TheAnswerSanDiego.com. Call 855, the number 7, troops. So receiving a care package, receiving a letter from home or even from uh, another state stating that they miss us and they love us and they can't wait for us to be home with our families is so impactful. such a humbling experience, and it also lets us know that we're not just over there. That's 855, the number 7, and the word troops. Or give online at TheAnswerSanDiego.com. Call 8557-TROOPS, 8557-TROOPS. That's 855-787-6677. While supplies last, each $100 donation earns a $20 gift certificate from Richard Walker's Pancake House with two locations, La Jolla and downtown San Diego. Call 8557-TROOPS or give online at TheAnswerSanDiego.com. Don't you wish you could choose your own monthly mortgage payments? If you're 62 years or older and have sufficient equity or own your home free and clear, a reverse mortgage loan may be the most powerful tool for your financial planning. With your current mortgage, in case of any emergencies or business opportunities, you may not be in the best financial position to make a move. With a reverse mortgage, eliminate your mortgage payments and receive cash or a large line of credit. With a bigger down payment, you can even purchase a home with a reverse mortgage, which is much easier to qualify for since there are no mortgage payments. Sometimes you can even qualify with just your social security income. To learn more, visit our website at aramco.biz where you can ask questions, request more information, or sign up for our next workshop. Call Aramco at 866-600-1130. That's 866-600-1130 or visit aramco.biz. Aramco, purchase, refinance, reverse. DRE 01853626, NMLS 27716. Not all borrowers qualify. FM 96.1 AM. 1170. The answer. You're listening to the Andrea K Show on the Answer San Diego. And this is Tax and State Planning Attorney Rod Hadley uh, sitting in with you this uh, for the special broadcast, holiday broadcast of the Andrea K Show. Andrea's taking the day off and enjoying the holiday, and we're glad to have you with us. And I'm joined in studio by longtime friend and colleague uh, Wendy Patrick, who is a, an attorney 
and also a violinist uh, with the La Jolla Symphony. So when she's not uh, practicing law, she's uh, rosning up her bow. I guess oh, you say. Very well. Very good. <laughs> so anyway, what we're going to do in our final segment here, we're going to wrap up there. I think there are three more laws out there that we wanted to talk about and uh, get uh, Wendy's input on. Uh, one of these, I guess you could call it the eat up law. Uh, public schools in California are required to provide low-income students with one free or reduced price meal per day. Uh, that meets federal child nutrition requirements. Reasonable. Uh, the program is meant to help kids who might otherwise go hungry so that they can better focus in class in beginning next academic year. So I'm guessing what they need to say is maybe uh, fall of 2019. Um, I guess that's what it means. Uh, the state is extending that rule to charter schools, which serve more than 340,000 low-income students of their own. My heavens. So anyway, um, so to me, it seems to make sense. I mean, there are a lot. I mean, I, I didn't. I, I I've been involved with the the Kushner uh, Food Bank or the Cushman. Mm. I'm sorry, the Cushman uh, Food Bank, and um, you know, and they give kids. It, this was heartbreaking to me, but I was very gratified to know that they will give a child uh, who's coming from disadvantaged circumstances a, a weekend pack, a pack so that when they leave That's school wonderful. on Friday afternoon, there's enough food in this pack, non-perishable food, that they can get through the weekend, have a decent meal, a fulfilling a fulfilling mm. meal. And so when they come to school again on Monday morning, they aren't starving. You know, they've had something to eat. And it was nutritious for them, and they're able to start, keep going because that's the biggest challenge, especially for kids who um, come from disadvantaged circumstances that's through right. no fault of their own. Right. And so uh, I thought that was a fabulous program that the Cushman Food Bank does. And I'm proud, proud to see that something like this has been enacted so that kids, especially when they're uh, at, at school during the day, they're, they're able to get a meal and they, so that they can continue to be focused and present uh, for the rest of the school day. You know, I, I, we could spend the whole rest of the hour talking about this one. I wish we could give them three hot meals oh, every yeah. day, don't you? Oh, uh, Oh, You know, the, the couple of thoughts. When I love the ideas, and I've heard this before, I think it's great, of giving the food pack for the weekend. Sure. I always cross my fingers and pray that the kids actually get to keep what they're given. Oh, yeah. I always yeah. worry, and maybe I've been a prosecutor for too long, I always worry somebody's going to steal it from them, whether uh, it's a bigger kid or it's an adult. or You know, we want to make sure our, our kids are are well-nourished and, and, you know, uh, I wish there was a way to supervise this, this process, but I think it's great that at the very least, when we have those children with us, that we're able to feed them nutritiously. Um, and I think it's interesting to, to note the tie-in between eating healthy and being able to focus. Sure. I, I feel like a broken record talking to my colleagues sometimes who insist that <laughs> coffee and a donut, we, we know we keep talking about donuts, so I'll use that as an example, sure. is breakfast. It's not. If we were, if we were say, doing this program 20 years ago, I would say coffee and a cigarette because I, yeah. I, I, I knew people back then that used to smoke. And, I, and I they, they always said that was the best part oh, of their I know. day. And Holy they, they would mackerel. stand outside the building and, you know, and they would have a cigarette and coffee and they would say, I feel totally refreshed and wow i I know that a balanced breakfast is important we know it because of how hard we work sure and to instill these habits early can can only you know bode well for the success of recognizing that in order to focus you have to be well nourished i know some of us live on power bars especially when we're in trial and i guess that's better than nothing or better than a donut Um, but it it is it is a wonderful idea to do everything we can during the short time in each day that we have these children and every time i see a new law like this you know hallelujah yeah you know let, let's take care of them as much as we can while while we have the opportunity absolutely 
Okay. Uh, this next one I guess you could call Stamp Out. And uh, Election Day um, has come and gone. And um, for those of the listeners who have chosen or did choose to vote by mail, uh, guess what? You'll no longer have to pay postage. Um, the law works to ensure that voting is free for all Californians by requiring election officials include a return envelope with prepaid postage when delivering your vote by mail. So, or your, your mail ballots, I should say, if you're an absentee voter, uh, and I am. Uh, local agencies could ask the state to reimburse them for the new costs, which are estimated to be, say, $5.5 million. And so, you know, and I think there's also a move afoot to maybe have a national day. I mean, you know, I mean, we had a national day of mourning here recently for President uh, George H.W. Bush. And so I guess the thought was, well, gee, why when we have election days, why do we make it so very challenging? That's right. Because people have to take time off of work if they're not an absentee voter. They have to go to their polling place or to their precinct. And they have to stand in line. So, and, and some employers will say, yeah, you can go vote, but I'll dock your pay. Yeah. So why should we penalize folks for exercising that right of franchise? So um, I'm, I'm proud to see that at least this, there's some forward thinking that, you know, you're not going to have to incur, a, yeah, okay, it's a stamp. What's a stamp today? 50, to 50 cents or something? Um, I don't know what it is. I get the forever stamp. So do I. I don't know. I don't, I, American flag on them. Exactly. Right? Yeah. <laughs> but at least that way you, you, um, you know, you're not incurring addition. Anything you can, anytime you can remove the barriers to actually yes. get out and vote and get the vote out, That's I think right. is a good thing. Isn't it? It's an amazing law. I'm, I'm so glad. And you know, it's funny when I was looking at, it, I thought I can't believe that I, I forget that we actually do have to stamp and send those things back. More and more of us are voting absentee. Yeah. Why? You saw that footage of the line wrapped around the registrar of voters sure. on election day. Yeah. People were ordering pizza in line. <laughs> and I mean, it was just a, and some people gave yeah. up. I mean, how long can you stand there? And you talk about an employer allowing time to vote. Not some employers say, I'll give you 30 minutes. Ooh. Well, if you wait I can till, just get to the polling right, place in 30 minutes. If you can get out of your parking garage in 30 minutes over right. your lunch hour, if it, depending on where you park. So it's, it's unworkable. It's untenable. And you can't, oh, you can go after work, but then you've got a family at home and you're in line till 8 p.m. Not happening. It's not happening. So yeah. to be able to do vote absentee, A, is a terrific idea. More people are availing themselves of. Sure. And then B, let's just, you know, it's, it's almost in recognition of wanting to make voter voting accessible to everyone. Right. It's not that, well, gosh, stamps have become so expensive. It's more about the ease with which we can put people in office and determine the future of our country and our local county and our city. Yeah. And this is the way to do that. So it's it's such a blessing to see that this is the direction yeah. these laws are going in. And I wouldn't be surprised. Again, lots of trends. The, the laws that we've described, you know, the, the pets, the expunging the records, the Me Too movement, and now this. That It's really just one more trend making it easier to participate in the electoral process. Yeah, and I think that's a good thing at the yeah, end of the day. Yeah, absolutely. And I think finally... Excuse me. The um, this last assembly bill uh, goes by the uh, the moniker "Wind in Your Hair." Uh, let's see. Adults who were who born were born to be wild who were born to be wild will soon be able to go helmetless while riding electric scooters on city streets. The new law goes into effect at the start of 2019. Also raises the speed limit for scooters on streets from 25 to 35 miles an hour. Uh, I have a lot of problems with this uh, because these things don't come with helmets. Uh, And I saw something the other day. I was driving down the street, and I just could not believe that people are riding these things. As dangerous as they are, there have been multiple accidents. I think there have been uh, class actions that have been brought against the manufacturers of these electric scooters. And I just – 
I, you know, if you really got to have the wind in your hair, you know, just buy buy a convertible. But yeah, <laughs> I would think, you know, this is uh, these scooters are cheaper. I think they're, they're cheaper. <laughs> I think that's just my opinion. I don't mean to editorialize, but I just think it's an accident waiting to happen. And now they're say, you want to go thirty five miles an hour? Knock yourself out. Oh yeah. And I'm thinking, okay, well, if that's what you want to do, I just think people are better served to, if you're going to ride a scooter, wear a helmet and observe the laws. I mean, don't try to be a speed freak. But that's just my opinion. This law is not a sign of the times. If anything, it surprised me in reading it. It seems like as laws generally become more restrictive, this is simply becoming more lenient. I mean, I work downtown San Diego and these things are lying all over the street at of any course. given time. You pick them up, you use the app, you jump on, you go. And there, there's a lot of traffic. They are very dangerous. Helmets are a great idea. I mean, we always make the joke we should wear helmets when we walk <laughs> downtown because there's so much foot traffic of and course. bikes and scooters and mopeds and motorcycles and cars and trucks. And I mean, you name it. So now we don't have to wear a helmet when we ride these scooters and we can go faster. Whoops. <laughs> yeah. What could go wrong there? I don't know. Man. Next year, we'll see if the sun sets. OK, it's been an absolute honor to have you sit in with us. Uh, I've had Wendy Patrick, a fellow attorney and violinist with the La Jolla Symphony, sharing her insights on the new laws that take effect next year. Uh, this is tax and state planning attorney Rod Hatley. Happy holidays to all of the listeners and stay classy, San Diego.